All right. If you have a Bible memory verse in my class that you want to share with us, we will give a chance to do that before we move on. Anyone with a Bible memory this morning? Joyce is gone, but maybe somebody else has a verse memorized, ready to go. Stacy. Amen. All right. Someone else. Go ahead. Amen. All right. Anyone else? All right. Well, I've got these two ladies. And we're going to be in our last lesson. Ezra is our book so we'll be in the book of Ezra chapter 9 and our last lesson lesson 13 Ezra chapter 9 and we've been going through the book of Ezra chapter 10 is the last chapter Uh, chapter 10 is a lot of uh, details about what took place after they got things right with the Lord we're going to look at today Uh, And Ezra uh, was used of the Lord to help teach people and get them back on track and to show them uh, that they were wrong about a a lot of things. And uh, he was burdened and and brokenhearted when he found how they had neglected the word of God. And uh, page 53, lesson 13, it says, use your nail now. (coughs) Use your nail now. What does that mean? Well, uh, let's read this. And uh, we'll start in chapter 9, verse 1. Now, when these things were done, the princes came to me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according, doing according to the abominations even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers hath been chief in this trespass. And so not only have they intermarried with uh, the heathen of the land, the unbelievers, uh, but the leaders, the princes and the rulers were chief in the trespass. They were leading by this bad example. And verse 3, when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard, and I sat down astonished. He ripped his hair out of his head and his beard. He was just astonished. He couldn't believe it. His heart and his mind was so focused on doing God's will and getting the temple and the altar rebuilt and now seeing other things restored that he just was shocked that that they could take things so flippantly even after they had moved into back into the land of Israel. They were still not taking God's word seriously. And by the way, it's still the same today. We are not to intermarry with the unsaved, uh, it is not so much. It is not what we've been taught that it's a skin color issue. That's not it. Uh, rather, it is a faith issue, and the Bible teaches in the New Testament not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And so, uh, we see here the principle throughout the Word of God. And notice that phrase where it says that they would pervert uh, the holy seed. All right. Uh, so that the Holy Seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. And so that's how the destruction comes. And so uh, the young people in here that are not yet married, 
uh, understand it's more important that you marry uh, someone who is on the same page, that is right with God, that is yoked up together, not going to be unequally yoked, but it's going to be following God and following the Lord Jesus Christ who is born again, not just says they're born again, but truly is on fire for the Lord, leading the life that you would uh, also be leading and following in that example. That means then to uh, disregard outward appearances uh, more than the inward and to recognize what matters. And so uh, it says in verse 4, Then were assembled unto me every one that has trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. He was just shocked that, that, that these people could be so casual and so careless about the things of God when he himself was not. And uh, so verse 5, And at the evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment, my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, O my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses is grown up unto the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in great trespass unto this day. For our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hands of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to the captivity, and to the spoil, and to confusion of face, as it is this day. He rehearses their recent history from the last hundred years or so of how that they've been taken captive out of Israel and taken into Babylon and Persia and on all that they've gone through. And, and he's rehearsing all this as if they should know better. Verse 8, And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in this holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments, which thou hast commanded by thy servants, the prophets saying, The land unto which you go to possess it is an unclean land with filthiness of the people of the lands, with their abominations which have filled it from one end to the another with their uncleanness. Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever, that ye may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. You warned us, you told us not to intermingle. And after all that is come upon us for our evil deeds and for our tra- great trespass, seeing that thou art God, hast punished us less than our infirmities deserve. You didn't even give us as much punishment as we deserve. And hast given us such deliverance as this. Should we again break thy commandments and join in the affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldest not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us, so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespass, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. And so he prays this prayer, and he's very brokenhearted, and he's he's admitting, God, you don't even, there's no reason for me to even ask you. You haven't even given us as much punishment as we deserve. We have no excuse, and that's his prayer. But in the middle of that, in verse number 8, it says, to leave unto us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in this holy place and so that's kind of the subject today and the title as we go through this so we'll start on page 53 god is searching the earth for people who are willing to forsake all and follow him the real need is for people to get back to truly worshiping the god of the bible and following him that is what ezra set his heart to do as we have studied the book of ezra we have discovered how god is working in our world 
we've seen that God desires to restore, and his desire was to restore Jerusalem, to restore the land. Uh, he desires to re restore more than the people do. God is looking for a person through whom to do his work, and he looked for people like Ezra and Nehemiah and some of the others that God used in, in our study. And God calls his servant to the place where the job needs to be done. And so uh, he calls us to a place that might not be a very nice place, but he calls us to a certain place. Uh, our missionary here with us today is called to go to certain places, to certain people, and the job needs to be done. Uh, our brother over in Rosebud is called to a, a very hard place, um, and the job needs to be done. In Ezra 5, or not chapter 9, 5 through 9, we find Ezra's prayer for revival. I just read it. This is how we must pray for revival. In his prayer, Ezra prayed that God would give us a nail in this holy place. What does that mean, give us a nail? Well, we're not talking about a little uh, tiny penny nail that you might hang a picture with. We're talking about a stake that you would uh, tie down a, you know, a, a big tent with or something like that. Uh, give us a nail, something that was an anchor, something that was a fixed point of reference that we could count on. We compare it with what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And we go there in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And the word nail is used again. So Ecclesiastes 12, verse 6, it says, Or ever the silver cord be loose, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanities of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out, and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was right, which was written, was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads, and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished. Of making books there is no end, and much study is weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Back there in verse number uh, 11, it says, The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. What does that mean? God has many assemblies, and he has many men who lead those assemblies. We call it assembly church. And those nails are the things that those masters those leaders of those churches those assemblies are are things that we drive in and they're staked down those are those are standards that can't be moved those are our fixed point of reference notice though there's only one shepherd and who's that the lord jesus christ which are given from one shepherd the nails aren't given from the masters themselves they're given from the shepherd himself and so that's a good illustration and and we go back to uh, the idea of the nail and Ezra, back in chapter 9, verse 8, saying, to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in this holy place. We, we are so drifting. Uh, that's why we have Anchor Club, because Anchor Club is about not drifting. And our whole world, our whole society, it just drifts along. And uh, without an anchor, even Christians are just drifting. Without the Word of God, even people who call themselves Christians don't really know what God's Word says. I was just reading... I mentioned the word church being assembly. I was just, I, I, I found a little testament that somebody left, a little, little Gideon testament. And unfortunately, the Gideons don't use the King James anymore. And, and, and so I just flipped it open. I just was looking to see, is this King James? Sometimes they are. And, and I went to Acts chapter 2 in the last verse. And it says, the Lord added to the number such as should be saved. That's not what it says. It says the Lord added to the 
church. And they changed church to number. You know how many people like that? Because they don't want to actually have to belong to a church, an assembly. They, they would rather just, you know, we get together, we call it a number. And, and so we're seeing just all kinds. And I just found that this morning, just on accident. I'm just saying that the word of God is being changed. And because it's being changed, nobody really knows what is truth anymore. And so everyone's drifting. Everyone's just going along without a nail. And Ezra says, please give us a nail. These people have living their life without a nail. We need a nail. And so the nail is the word of God. The nail is given from the one shepherd. And the masters of assemblies use those nails to teach. But the nail is the word of God itself. And so for today's application, we're going to say that the nail is the word of God. And I can't think of anything else that I own that's more appropriately given than that. Jesus, of course, is considered the anchor, the anchor of our soul. But Jesus is called the word. And so the word of God and Jesus are very closely uh, associated and synonymous. And so uh, we, we see these points on page 54 and 55. Number one, use your nail now. Uh, what we are going to do for God, we must, do, we must do it now. We must decide to do what we do for the Lord now. Proverbs chapter 27 and James chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 27 and then we'll go to James chapter 4. And these are just reminders of the time that we're in and the, and the shortness of time. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day <coughs> may bring forth. And James chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Your life is a vapor that peers for a little time and then vanisheth away. If you got up early this morning, you might have seen your breath. It's starting to get a little nippy out there. It's like a vapor. <coughs> you breathe. It's in the, in the air, and then it just disappears. And that's what our life is like. We are warned about the brevity of life. Someone asked an old 100-year-old preacher, or about close to a 100-year-old preacher, uh, what was the biggest surprise or what was the biggest thing he noticed? And he said, the brevity of life. And he was living to be almost 100 years old. But life is short, and we're warned about how short life is. And so we need to recognize, and back there in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, where we were a minute ago, it says in verse 1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. It's not time to play and to sow your wild oats, as, as the world says. No. Life is short, and so we need to make the choice to be prepared now. We need to recognize the Word of God and nail it down. Uh, our young people, we have we have young 20-something-year-olds in our church right now. And, of course, we have a lot of younger ones than that. But we've got some <coughs> 20-somethings. I'm sure it might have crossed their mind once or twice that, that they might get married someday. Uh, they might not ever admit that, but they're probably thinking that. You, listen, you need a nail. And you know when you need to start thinking about that? A long time before. You need to start recognizing the importance of having a firm standard of what you believe in so that it doesn't get wishy-washy when choices are made. We need to make the choice to be ready and prepared now. I'm not saying you've got to get married now. I'm saying you need to make the choice to be nail things down and know what you believe. The choice to serve is now. And so we need to recognize it's, it's, the Bible's not for us old people to use. It's for everyone to use. It's for every person to start to practice the Word of God. When you practice the Word of God, you'll be rewarded if you're not just drifting along in life. Must, we must choose to uh, how you're going to spend your life. And uh, those who have a nail driven down, they are making choices. 
And you know what? It's not easy to go against the flow. The flow pulls against the nail. And the flow just goes and drifts along with the crowd. But the nail keeps us standing firm. And it's not too hard to get noticed nowadays with as crazy as and cruddy as the flow of this world is. You just stand your ground and you're going to get noticed without trying to be noticed because you're just not drifting like they are. A wise person will follow God's word and use the nail that God has given him now. And Ezra prayed, Lord, give us a nail in this holy place. Lord, I look around and I'm so discouraged because I see these young people that have married off into other other faiths and other heathen families and it's just going to cause a confusion for the children and, and the grand lord please give us a nail uh, here in custer south dakota we have a small population i'm sure sometimes people think well i'm never going to meet someone that pastor says i should wait for and be patient for hey listen god is able to don't don't misunderstand god is able to this world is filled with people who are tr- wanting to God's will. You don't think God can take person A who's trusting God and asking God for, for direction and person B and introduce them somehow? Of course he can. So trust God and have a nail. Don't fall into the temptation to just drift with the world. Um, you know why I say some of this about marriage? Because my age, people my age are getting divorced now. I'm, I'm sitting in sports games in our town and I'm watching sports games and I'm realizing that there's now this mom with this new guy and this dad with this new guy. And I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about people who said they're Christians that are doing this. Okay. There's no nail. There's no nail. There's no fixed point of reference that says we're going to hold here. This is what we're going to do. And we're not going to drift. Okay. And so Use your nail now. It's important that we recognize. And Ezra was broken because he saw this mixture and this this lethargic attitude towards God's law, which told them, don't do this. Don't intermingle with other nations. Uh, and the example for us is with other religion, other unsaved. Don't do this. And so we should be teaching our kids now. In fact, as I was growing up, I was told over and over again, if you shouldn't be unequally yoked, then obviously you shouldn't be dating someone who you wouldn't marry. That makes sense. That makes sense. You can avoid a lot of problems if you'll just recognize that my nail needs to be driven now. Use your nail to encourage the remnant. Also in verse 8, back there in Ezra 9, verse 8, now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape. The remnant is the people who are seeking to live a God-fearing life. Uh, The people who want to serve and want to follow the Lord. Isaiah chapter number 1 and verse 9 says, Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been in Sodom, as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is coming. The, the the surge and the flooding of Sodom and Gomorrah gets stronger and stronger as the days go by. <clears throat> this past week during homecoming, Custer had uh, different dress-up days, and on Wednesday they had Wacky Wednesday. Some young man in the grade school came to grade school dressed up like a girl and painted nails and everything. Uh, can I tell you something? We don't just have Wacky Wednesday. We have Wacky every day around here now. If you go to certain places and go shopping. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and uh, verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that verse is not saying work so that you can be saved. It's saying work out your salvation. If you ever go to the gym, you go to work out something you already have. It's muscles that need to be built. And so working out our salvation is not to get salvation, but working it out and finding out what does God want me to do. Find out why you're saved. You say, well, I know I'm saved because God loves me. He doesn't want me to go to hell. No, find out why you are saved and still here. Because every one of us have a purpose, and that purpose includes a nail. That purpose includes driving ourselves a nail in, in fixed position and not moving. Back in Ezra chapter 10, after he prayed that prayer, I didn't read it, but chapter 10 verse 1 says, Now when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, remember, he tore his hair out, he tore his beard out, and he prayed this out loud. He prayed this, and he fell down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. They were very touched by the fact that this man was devastated by what they had done. Verse 9, Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together unto Jerusalem with, within three days, and it was the ninth month, and on the twentieth day of the month, and all the people sat in the street of the house of God, trembling because of this matter, for and for the great rain. They were trembling because of what God, uh, what God's word said and what they didn't do. And they knew that they were not right. So work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's, it's the idea of being fearful and recognizing this is serious stuff. Eh, I don't know if the Bible's even true, so why should I pay attention to every page? As long as I'm saved, who cares? That's the attitude of the average Christian today. Listen to me, that's not fear and trembling. Fear and trembling is, I don't want my child to marry the wrong person. Fear and trembling is my wife and I saying, boy, there's people our age that are splitting up and getting up with, getting together with somebody new. Well, we need to be fearful and trembling that God's, God's going to hold us together and that we're going to be right with God. And we need to be aware that it could be us, but for the grace of God, it could be us. Fear and trembling. And so recognizing that we need to encourage one another. If for no other reason, I'm thankful that I can be an example to some young people of what marriage is supposed to look like because they never seen it. I drive a school bus. I drive a church bus. I hear conversations like this all the time. Yeah, my dad's boyfriend, I mean girlfriend, my dad's girlfriend, my mom's boyfriend, but it's hardly ever my dad's wife, my mom's husband. They've never seen that. It's just girlfriend, boyfriend. They, they, they don't understand where the nail's even supposed to be. I just read yesterday about this United Methodist minister who wrote a letter to a young couple who wanted to have their baby baptized or christened or whatever. And he wrote a letter saying, listen, I just don't think it would be a good thing for me to do this for your child because you guys aren't married. And it would set a bad example to the young people in our church since you want us to bless this child and you're not now listen i'm not for baby baptism all right that's wrong so the whole thing i mean the whole religion's messed up but you know what this young couple did they put it online they put the whole letter online and made a big complaint about it to make the minister look bad and and of course what i was reading was of the slant that he was the bad guy and i'm just thinking wow what a mess we're in what a mess it's just sad. 
and young people don't even th- they don't even think marriage anymore. They don't think it because they don't see it. And and in order to save your pride, you've got to excuse yourself as a, as as the grown up, right? And 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 how about just saying, "Hey, I was wrong, and this is wrong," and and tearfully before your children say, "Don't follow my example," and we're going to drive a nail here so that you don't follow. No, too much pride. So we just bring them along and we just repeat the cycle all over again. Use your nail to encourage the remnant. Not only would my four children be absolutely devastated if Miss Wilma and I were to no longer be married, but a lot of other children would be too. We need to live the example because young people today are growing up with this concept of, why get married? Nobody can do it anymore. Sorry to get off on all this marriage stuff today, but it's on my head. It's in my mind. God does not have favorites, but he does have intimates. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. So it is possible for God to be closer to some people than he has others, not because he has favorites, but because he has intimates. Because when you draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to you. When you see someone who has given their life to the Lord, (coughs) do all you can to encourage them, not discourage them. You see young people that want to serve the Lord, encourage them, not discourage them. Have a desire to use your nail to encourage the remnant. My parents did not know everything when they got married. In fact, my dad wasn't even saved when they got married. And by the grace of God, he got saved. My mom was saved, but she was saved at a vacation Bible school and never went to a church after she got saved, to a good church. So she didn't know. And they got married like everybody else did. They got married 50-some years ago. And uh, after a while, she said, we need to go to this religious meeting. And (coughs) he didn't want to, but he did. Thankfully, he got saved. As a result of that, they started to get things squared away. But they were adults. They were married. And I was on the way when he got saved. So they didn't know everything. They didn't do everything right. They made a lot of mistakes. and they. But you know what? I remember my mom would tell others, hey, you know what? Uh, I learned some things the hard way. She tells about the time when she found out that there were Christian couples in the church she went to that had never even kissed one another until they got married. <gasps> oh, they must be from the 1800s. No, she, she was at a Valentine's game thing and they were playing a game and and uh, they asked the question was the first time you kissed your husband and the woman said uh, on our wedding day and so then they took her out brought the husband was the first time you kissed your wife on our wedding day and my mom's elbowing my dad like oh that is so hilarious I can't believe they think we're all going to believe that and then she realized it was true they weren't lying it was true and my mom at first was shocked and her second thought was that's what I want my kids to say and the Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman, but to avoid fornication, let every man have her his own wife, every woman her own husband. The Bible teaches this concept, but the world doesn't. So use your nail to encourage. So now what my mom would do is tell everybody that story. She would go around and tell people that story. She'd tell young mothers that story on purpose because she wants them to realize, hey, listen, you can do it too. We can change this and drive a nail where there used to not be one. Uh, so use it to encourage. Use your nail to gain understanding. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy word gives light. And so use the word of God so that you can gain knowledge and understanding. We can know what God is doing in our world and get in on it. 
You can know what's happening. You can pay attention if you want to. You can read the Word of God. The, the news doesn't shock me because I'm reading the, the Word of God. And when you read God's word, you're not shocked. And as a matter of fact, the only thing that shocks me is how bold the news is when it says things like, we've developed a new microchip that can be placed into your skin and it can identify you and you can even buy everything and sell everything with it. And you no longer even have to have a credit card because you can just have it right inside your skin. And I'm just shocked that they're announcing this because they obviously haven't been reading the Bible. If they read the Bible, they'd probably be too scared to announce that. The, the, The news doesn't, doesn't shock me in the sense of, oh my, I didn't think that would ever happen. No, it shocks me in the sense of how ignorant they are of God's word. God's warning us things. And you can have understanding. You can know, you can be people who understand and discern the times. And after his resurrection, the Lord Jesus revealed to his disciples why, why he had to suffer, why he died. Luke twenty four forty five. it says, then he opened their understanding. And that's what our prayer should be. Lord, open my understanding. I just don't get it. And don't just pray open your understanding, but also open this book and start reading it. And whenever the open door is open and then it's unlocked, walk inside and listen to it being taught and being preached. Don't skip out on the times when God's word's being opened and you'll get understanding. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, along with encouragement, which is also in this passage, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, let us hold fast. That's like the nail, hold fast. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That's the encouragement that we just talked about in the previous point. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need to recognize the importance of meeting together as the body of Christ and to provoke each other to love and to good works and to exhort one another to love and to good works. Use this nail to open your understanding with every step of obedience to the Lord. Your understanding is going to get enlarged. Let me say that again. With every time you obey, you'll understand more. Every time you obey God, you'll learn more. You don't need to turn there, but in John chapter 2 and verse 9, it says in parentheses, the servants knew what happened because they were the ones who did the work. The servants had done the work. They obeyed God, and so they knew what happened. What's it talking about? The miracle of the water into the pure blood of the grape, the wine. The miracle of the water into wine. Jesus turned the water into the fruit of the vine, and they knew it. Nobody else knew it. But in parentheses in John 2, 9, it says, but the servants knew. Now, why is it the servants knew? Because they were involved in the doing. They're the ones that obeyed. They're the ones that carried the water. They're the ones that had to carry it up and pour it out, and by faith trust that he was right. And whenever you obey God and get involved in the service, you see behind the scenes, okay, that's how that works and you gain understanding. So use your nail now. Use your nail to encourage. Use your nail to gain understanding. And use your nail for reviving. Back in Ezra chapter 9 and verse 8, it says, A remnant to give us a nail in this holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving. Just a little reviving. The man of God asked and pleaded with God, Lord, we just need some reviving in our bondage. We need to recognize that all of us get bound by sin. 
We all tie on little habits that become a, a binding to us. We all allow little sins and little things to go on that become a, a binding to us. I carry this thing in my pocket a lot. You probably do too. I'm telling you, that thing's full of all kinds of traps and temptations in there. And you have to constantly be aware of tying another one on and get just a little more bound and a little more binding and to have a reviving. Lord, please give us a little reviving in our bondage. It's so easy to just get complacent in what we do. And pretty soon, here we are living in sin and not doing right. We're to use our nail for a little reviving. God is not... God does this work in our hearts and he speaks to us and refreshes us when we turn to him and yield our hearts to him. R.A. Torrey was an old preacher from 100 years ago. He said, revival is a new beginning of obedience to God and that's what's necessary, that we recognize, hey, I just need to get back to obeying God. When we have special speakers come and we have uh, preaching uh, revival services, that's the whole point, is for us to say, you know what, in this area, I'm, I, I just... I let it slip, and I need to get right with the Lord. A new beginning of obedience to God. I need to get back on track. And you, you see people in the Old Testament, King David, he got messed up and he did things wrong. What did he do? He started over, and he had to pay the price in some ways, but he started over with a new beginning of obedience to God. And that's constantly what revival is. And, Lord, give us a little revival in our bondage. Help us to have a new beginning. And that's what encourages me. When I just see others saying, I want to do what I haven't been doing. I used to do it, or I know I should be doing it. And, I just, and, and you just step out by faith and have a new beginning of obedience to God. And the Bible says, if you know to do good and doeth it not, it's sin. And so if you know that there's something there that God is waiting on, you're not going to be, be at peace to have contentment and no revival until you obey. When we have revival, we have a desire we did not have before. And we want to obey the Lord. That's using our nail for reviving. The idea of letting God, using his word to revive us and to never, ever get this idea. <clears throat> I've been going to church for years. I mean, I, I know everything. I've, I've heard the whole Bible preached. I've read through the Bible many times. But, you know, preacher gets onto something. You know, those people over there, they, they need to hear that. But not me. Listen. You're the one that needs reviving. And as I get older, it's not just my hair that's turning loose. My memory's turning loose. And I'm finding out that I'm forgetting things that I should know or used to know. <clears throat> and we all need reviving. That's what keeps us from getting stale and hardened and getting ourselves into a mess. And so the word of God is there for our reviving. That's why when there's announced that you're, we're going to have special meetings. And our next special meetings are January. John Getch will be here. He'll be preaching, and he'll be preaching uh, for uh, Saturday with the teens and then Sunday through Wednesday. Well, mark it down. Man, that's a time for us to have extra preaching. Not that we can't be revived today or revived tomorrow. The missionary will be preaching today. There's all time, all time for revival, but we need to recognize, hey, God's word is there for me to see the things that need to be made right and I need to get back on track. And these people were trembling because they knew they were wrong. And that's the last point. Use your nail to repair what is broken. You'll notice he said it more than once. He said in verse 4 of chapter 9, because of the transgression of those that have been carried away, he said it in the last part of the chapter in verse 14, should we again break thy commandments? 
and join affinity with the people of those abominations, God's law had been broken. They had broken God's law. Now, who broke God's law? Remember in the beginning of the chapter it says that they allowed their children to be married to the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. Did they break God's law? Well, the truth is they didn't know it. God was upset with the Israelites because the Israelites had God's law and they broke it. And you might see your neighbor doing stuff that is against God's law, but guess what? Your neighbor doesn't claim to be a Christian. It's still God's law, but they don't know it. But you and I, we're supposed to know it. We own a copy. It's in our house. We carry it with us to church. We're supposed to know it. And so use the word of God to repair what you've done, the brokenness. We've broken God's law in different ways. Let's recognize that. What's broken in your life or what have you broken? We all break God's law. It's not just the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments is a good start. And Jesus expounded on that when he said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. I say whoever looks at a woman and lusts in his heart commits adultery with her already in his heart. And guess who can see the heart? Nobody in here can see the heart, but God can see the heart. And in my heart, if I know I have broken God's law because I have committed adultery in my heart, then I need to stop and say the word of God is right and I am wrong. But nobody knows. Nobody but God. So using the nail to prepare what's broken. See, this time of revival and repentance and getting things right with the Lord is not when everybody else knows. It's just when you and God know. And so use it to repair the broken. Ezra confesses the sins of his nation. He's confessing their sin to God. We need a great spiritual repairing in our land. This is why I'm not afraid, nor should I be, to criticize both the Democrats and the Republicans because both of them have broken God's law. Okay? Let's get honest about our nation. Now, is one side more crazy than the other? Mm -hmm. Yep. But let's get honest about our nation. Let's understand that we need to pray for revival honestly and we need to desire the repair for what's been broken for what's been destroyed and broken down we need to get back to god and god's word the answer is not going to be a human person the answer is going to be god himself we need to get back to god and his word do not look for some quick way to get it done just believe god god tells us what we are to do our source is prayer in the lord you have been given a nail use it you have opportunity use it there are people in times past that have listened to me and other preachers preach and they're like, yeah, we're fine. We're good. We're good to go. But they never really drove a nail. I think in some cases the parents who got saved maybe later on and didn't know much just decided that they weren't going to make it a big deal about the things that they did wrong in their past. And so what happens is, is that their children end up repeating some of those very same things. There's no excuse for the children because they grew up in church. They grew up with parents who went to church there's not as much grace going to be given and mercy going to be given for that young person who should have known better when the parents should have told them and so if you are guilty of things as a parent let's for this for instance let's say i was 350 pounds i'm glad i'm not but let's say i was 350 pounds and it was because i like twinkies let me tell you something there comes a point in my life where i have to 
repent of that, which means I have to recognize that's wrong and I'm not doing right by my own body. That's not correct. I shouldn't be doing that. And then honest enough and humble enough to say to those children of mine, don't follow my example instead of buying them Twinkies. And what happens is, is if parents don't repent of it and call it sin. See, it says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Hey, kids, let's watch this movie. It was my favorite when I was growing up. Yeah, but you weren't a Christian when you were growing up. Have you ever thought about that? Let's watch it. You know what? There's a good chance you're going to teach your kids to go the same direction. Only thing is, you know better, and they should know better. If you don't have a nail that says we're going to change things. And, the, and Tom and Shelley Furs, my parents, learned that they need to have some nails driven down. And those are the reasons why I'm different than they were when I, when I grew up, because of some nails. And, and now me, <laughs> same thing. And so my children have even maybe some more nails in their life than I had, because we're learning as we go. You have been given a nail, now use it. If you don't use it, you'll not have it long to use. The old phrase, you don't use it, you lose it. And that's what's happened to many, including Christians. And I'm sad. I'm not gleeful. I'm not gloating. I'm just sad when I see people who were Christians, quote, unquote. They said they were anyway. And they went their own way and did it their way and turned their nose at, this preacher and what he had to say and now they've got a new honey and they're doing their best to look like they're happy but their kids are having a hard time looking like they're happy it's sad and it's even more sad because there's a Christian label attached to it because if you're not going to use it there's no sense in you having it that's what's happened Most of the people in America don't even know what the Bible is. They might own one, but they don't really know if it's the real Bible or not. Because if you don't use it, there's no sense in having it. Of course, the Catholics haven't been using it for years, and they don't know what it is. They just trust the latest pope or the latest priest. But many in Bible churches are not aware of what the word of God is anymore. Step out by faith and obey the Lord and hold to the nail. Just this past week, I was reading Jeremiah 35. Jeremiah 35 is about the Rechabites. And the Rechabites were tested by God to drink wine and do things that their father had taught them years ago not to do. And the Rechabites said, we'll not do this because our our father, our grandfather drove a nail and said, this is where we're supposed to stay and we're staying. And all of us need to learn to have a nail. God wants us to have a nail. Do you have a nail? If you don't, you're drifting. And eventually it'll become real obvious. Let's pray. Lord, we thank